You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers survive their first game of the 2023-2024 season, a 69-63 victory over a very game Florida Gulf Coast team that was playing without one of their best players, really came in, played hard. A lot of credit to those guys uh, for obviously giving Indiana a good run for their money, but a lot of credit to Indiana for stepping up in the second half when things really started to look bleak and nothing was going right offensively or defensively. This Indiana team came together, finished the game strong, able to get the six point win. And look, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about how there's a lot of talent, there's a lot of pieces here, but they're new and they're inexperienced and it's going to take some time. And so, you know, the result tonight really didn't surprise me that much. Even though Indiana was favored by 12, you know, I was expecting this to be a struggle. Maybe not quite this much of one, uh, but just in terms of kind of how things look. So there's a lot to work on, obviously. You know, a lot of warts in this game, but obviously some big individual performances and some big moments to talk about. And all that matters is getting the win. I don't think we should be even thinking about style points with this team until maybe January or February. You just got to find ways to grind out wins against a tough schedule. So far, so good for Indiana 1-0. I'm your host, Jared Morris, here with Andy Bottoms. I believe the coach, Brian Tonsoni, is going to join us uh, live from the bowels of Assembly Hall here a little bit later. But this is the Assembly Call IU postgame show, beginning our 12th season of doing postgame shows. Very excited to enjoy another season with you all. Uh, And let's start the show the way that we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner moment. Look, when it was 48 to 42, Florida Gulf Coast hitting threes, uh, you know, things were looking bleak. I know Coach texted, you know, very bleak feeling here in Assembly Hall. Mike Woodson obviously noticed it, called a timeout, inserted the lineup of Xavier Johnson, Gabe Cups, Trey Galloway, Malik Renew, and Khalil Ware, which would play the rest of the game and really turn things around by being smarter on defense, not leaving shooters as wide open, and getting things going offensively. But the moment that I want to point out is when it was 48-47, to Indiana on a little 5-0 run to get things back going. Malik Renew gets blocked, and Trey Galloway just all out hustles to get the ball, hits a floater, keeps the momentum. That bucket put Indiana up 49-48. to It is a lead the Hoosiers would not relinquish on the next possession down. X would hit a three to make it 52-48. to All told, it was a 14-0 run for the Hoosiers. They ended up giving them the cushion they needed uh, after, you know, the uh, when Florida Gulf Coast went on that 8-0 run late. But it was just a huge play. And the reason why it really you know, stood out to me. Number one was just the hustle and fight that Trey showed, which was really indicative of that stretch for Indiana. You know, after really playing lackadaisically to come out at the start of the second half, that group got it turned around. But it was also just Trey's ability to score. He was Indiana's leading scorer tonight, scored in a variety of ways, hit a three off a screen, off a cut, off, you know, hit floaters, off a free throw, in transition, All the things that we've been talking about from him in that, you know, kind of two guard scoring guard position that we didn't see in the exhibition games, we saw tonight. And what we saw tonight was Trey Galloway doing all the things we've seen from him, the hustle, the defense, getting out in transition, but adding more variety of ways to score points. And on a night like tonight, when Indiana's offense was really struggling, 
that was huge. And if this is the Trey Galloway that Indiana is going to get for the rest of the season, then as the other young guys come up and improve, this is a team that, uh, you know, we all think can really do some things. But I thought Troy was huge. That play was huge because it kept the momentum, gave Indiana that lead, and they would not look back. All right. Uh, and let's talk now about our presenting sponsor. Yes, our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, now in their seventh season, sponsoring the Assembly Call, and their third as the presenting sponsor for the Back Home Network. As you know, Homefield has the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere. And since IU is their flagship school, you know that more high-quality gear with unique IU logos is on the way. They just put out a new bomber jacket. They just put out a snapback cap with the Hurry and Hoosiers logo. I got my Your Order is on its way email, which we all love getting. That will be here soon. I can't wait to wear that hat. And the thing is, it's not just IU. Homefield's product line extends to over 150 colleges and universities, plus the Colts, plus their core collection, much, much more. In other words, as you start looking forward to the holidays and knocking out a lot of the you know the people on your shopping list, Homefield is a great one-stop shop to get something for everybody because there really is something for everybody there. And what's nice is you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through Kelly. Uh, they treat their employees right. They treat the shows that they sponsor right. We love working with Homefield Apparel, uh, and we know that, uh, that you will love whatever you order from them. So go to homefieldapparel.com. Use our promo code HOME23 to get 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME23 for 15% off. Once again, the website, homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. So, Andy, we will go over to you, your bottoms line on this, uh, you know, gritty, <laughs> definitely not pretty, but gritty IU victory. I think I think it's important to uh, to keep a few things in mind here. And I know we you, you mentioned this. You were talking about it in the Discord during the game of you know we all said this was going to be rough. This team is going to have growing pains and whatever. And Florida Gulf Coast, while not from a major league, is going to be one of the the top teams in their league. They got a lot of veteran guys. Pat Chambers, who's been in Bloomington, and uh, we talked before we came on, uh, started to have just a you know tinge of uh, PTSD from a. Pat Chambers coach press toward the end. Um, I think uh, in a lot of ways, I think they mentioned this at the end of the broadcast, that it was uh, the, the kind of game you get the win and you have a lot of teachable moments. They talked about how Woodson was spent so much time, more so than they'd seen anybody do at the shoot around teaching. Uh, and I think you saw tonight, in some cases, the fruits of that teaching and in some cases, the reasons that it needed to be done. Um, and it was really a tale of two halves for IU. The defense was outstanding in the first half, and the offense was not very good. Uh, really struggled to get into anything that they wanted to do, just were not crisp um, and and scored largely just based on being bigger and more athletic at times. Uh, and then the second half kind of faltered defensively, particularly early in the half, really uh, helping off the shooters when didn't really need to be or helping for a, a minute too long with the whole nail slot rim um, you know, conversation and, and offensively though, through a good chunk of the second half, IU was at over a point and a half per possession in the second half, you know, th that flurry that started with the renew play that you mentioned in the banner moment, you know, IU scored 14 points, I think on six possessions and the defense ratcheted itself back up at that point. They didn't give up any points in those six possessions. So 
you still saw flashes of the defense. The offensive numbers don't look as good by the time you get to the end because they played, you know, turned the ball over a handful of times at the end. But um, a game that saw, you know, this team did what it needed to do to win when things got tough. Uh, and I think that's something that they'll be able to fall back on uh, later. And, and I think a lot of uh, exciting individual performances, I think a few that maybe I, I don't think are concerning at this point because it's one game. Um, but a lot of individual performances that we'll obviously talk through, uh, on the game, but you know, and I think one of the big storylines that will probably hit first is, as you said, no subs, the last 10 plus minutes of the game, I, you went with a three guard lineup. Uh, and so, uh, I'm sure that's one of the things we'll talk about. It was really effective and Woodson has traditionally been a, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Whether that's with the starting lineup, whether that's with guys on the floor, whether that's with whatever, um, did I think that Malik Renew would have to be carried off the court at some point at the end of the game? Yes, I did. But uh, everybody, everybody survived and they made it. And uh, yes, yeah, it, it definitely um, <laughs> good that it's a win. Probably would have liked for it to be more comfortable. But um, for people who do a postgame show, no shortage of things to discuss after the game. That's for sure. No, no, definitely not. You know, and I, and I want to point out, I think, you know, Joel has a great point in the chat. He said games like this happen when you don't schedule teams above 300 and Ken Palm, you know, and he's right. And I think this is something that we're going to see around college basketball. You know, I think where you have a lot of, uh, you know, schools at bigger programs with a lot of roster turnover, you know, bringing in freshmen that are going to play, bringing in transfers it's going to look ugly at times early in the season. And when you play against a team like, you know, Florida Gulf coast that has a lot of experienced guys that have played together, they're going to be able to take advantage of some of that, you know? And, and I think, you know, my thesis certainly for why I thought Indiana was, you know, was going to be good and be able to win some of these games was just being able to kind of out talent and out athletic, you know, people. Um, and, and to a certain extent, that's what they were able to do tonight. You know, once they got the defense, you know, kind of back situated. And so, you know, look, this is a game, you know, you win by six, you were favored by 12. Indiana is probably going to drop in the computer rankings. There's a ton to pick apart. And for the people who are pessimistic about Indiana, they certainly got a lot of evidence tonight to stay pessimistic. Um, you know, so all of those things can kind of be true. And I think this game is a bit of a Rorschach test for, you know, kind of what you think that this team is going to be. But, you know, Andy, as we, you know, come off a victory and focus on the positives, you know, that stretch there at the end with that lineup of X, Cups, Trey, Malik Renew, and Khalil Ware, you know, was really terrific. And I think we certainly saw that Mike Woodson has a lot of trust in Gabe Cups. Um, and it really seemed like a case where, you know, Indiana's perimeter defense was just so bad there for a while, you know, leaving shooters just very lackadaisical, both, both mentally and physically. And the one thing we know about Gabe Cups is there's nothing lackadaisical about him at all, you know, and that group, you know, really got things turned around again by just playing gritty, by playing smarter, you know, and as you said, you know, Woody let him play for, for the final 12 minutes, um, you know, and that, and that was great to see. And that is something, you know, good to build on, you know, for those of you who want to look at the positives, I think before we go any farther in, in segment one, though, we have to talk about Khalil Ware. Um, you know, who finishes with his first career double-double, 13 points, 12 boards, three blocks, had those four assists, three of them early uh, in the second half, you know, when Indiana basically just stopped trying to get into that ball screen action that Florida Gulf Coast was, you know, trapping X and not letting us get into it. So Indiana just went to playing through the bigs, and it was either Malik on a drive or, you know, Khalil Ware making things happen as a passer. Uh, and I think for Khalil today, you saw everything that makes him a potential lottery pick, you know, from block shots to making threes to being able to pass. But the thing that was most impressive to me 
because there's not anybody who can watch that game and question his motor because he was really one of the the few Indiana guys that was tough on the boards um, and just really, I thought, had a terrific performance in a game where he clearly had a, a size and athleticism advantage down low, but we saw the full breadth of what he can bring. And so, you know, the, the big question, can Woody get this guy's motor ramped up? Can we see the potential come through? I'm sure it'll be a work in progress, but through one game, I don't think you could ask for much more from him tonight. Uh, yeah, he, he really in the first half was uh, the guy who got IU the lead uh, as, as he went. He, he was, um, if you didn't know any of the history of him and you watched the way he went after the ball rebounding for the most part in this game, you would not have thought that there were concerns about his motor uh, i guess is what you can you know probably the maybe the biggest compliment you can give and and i think you know woodson clearly trusts him to make plays they were having him do some of the things in a short roll that like tjd would do last year uh he made a couple really nice passes in in a sequence um as they started to to kind of adjust to like you said what florida gulf coast was doing they were putting him in the short roll toward the elbow or toward the top of the key he made some good decisions passing the basketball uh and you know was able to to get rebounds when he needed to had some massive block shots that really stopped florida gulf coast from going inside for uh in large part and uh, I, I just thought a really, really strong all-around game and one where he was able to pretty much keep up the intensity level that he had throughout. It didn't kind of come and go uh, with with him tonight. And um, so, again, as I think as you look at individual performances, tons of positives for that. And at least through, like you said, through one game, uh, you have to feel good about Mike, what Mike Woodson's been able to get out of him. And uh, something else they talked about on the broadcast, they said, you know, Woodson's really been like getting after him, coaching him as hard as anybody and kind of wanting to see him chirp back at him a little bit. And and they talked really about they've done that some of the times yeah. and really trying to like push his buttons and do whatever. So, you know, again, lots of conclusions that one can jump to after one game. But I do think um, in large part what you've seen uh, there has been positive and uh, yeah, he was, he was the difference in the first half. Uh, maybe the difference at points in the game uh, just with his uh, want to, from a rebounding perspective uh, at times. You know, you mentioned some of the potential concerns, which, you know, aren't anything yet to, to, to kind of maybe wave a, a giant red flag over since it's just one game. But, you know, I think if you were going to pinpoint what the biggest concern is coming out of this game, it is, you know, that Indiana's wings, you know, McKenzie Mbako, Anthony Walker, CJ Gunn, uh, you know, Caleb Banks, you know, who, you know, theoretically should be able to power this long, switching, active defense, you know, be long and athletic enough to get out and challenge shooters, but also, you know, be able to, to stop drives and do all these things, which for a time, you know, especially early in the game looked good. But boy, once Florida Gulf Coast got going, uh, those guys all really struggled. You know, McKenzie was obviously struggling just to recognize switches and to communicate. Uh, Anthony Walker, uh, you know, after really playing well in the exhibition games, uh, was, you know, really struggled tonight, both with his shot selection, taking ill-advised shots, but just really struggling on the perimeter. Caleb Banks, you know, still kind of getting up to speed with the groin injury. Um, you know, so he kind of struggled, and same with CJ. And so I think that is that's kind of the concern because, you know, the way that Indiana wants to play, you know, you might not need all of those guys clicking at the same time, but it sure would be nice to have at least one of them be able to be a passable defender. And 
the last 12 minutes of the game, Woody just decided to stop the experiment and went with the guys he trusted defensively, um, which, you know, it's interesting that Gabe Cups is already in that group for all those who wanted to see it first. Well, there it was, <laughs> you know? Um, so I think that's the big concern for me. But to your point, I don't think it's anything worth getting too worked up about yet. We knew it was going to be a work in progress. And you can see on certain possessions what it looks like when it's right. And so if you you know kind of peer out into the future at what this defense could look like in January and February, you see the vision. I think we're all just going to have to work through some of the growing pains. And you hope that every game you can find something that works like Mike Woodson did tonight, even though the other guys clearly weren't quite ready for this style of defense against this level of competition. Uh, they were in the exhibition game, weren't you know against a team as good as as Florida Gulf Coast, and I don't want to blow them up to be some great team, but again, they're a you know hundred thirtieth in Ken Palm. They're a solid team that can beat you if you're not playing well, you know. And they almost did tonight, uh, but Indiana found something late. But just your thoughts on those guys on the perimeter and how concerned you are, if at all, yet about what we saw from them. Yeah, I think from a defensive standpoint. It's not a great early answer to can this team play with essentially three bigs in the front court, right? Uh, I mean, I think that as much as anything is the maybe the biggest red flag to me because now part of that is you played a team that doesn't have a ton of size and is going to find guys that can have matchups and drive you. And Renew is always, you know, no matter who, if you play a team that's got more of a stretch four type guy, he's going to be challenged defensively already. Um, what you really can't have is another guy <laughs> trying to guard a smaller perimeter guy that really, you know, couldn't keep guys in front, um, you know, just kind of got sucked down in the lane at times. And, and again, I don't mean to keep going back to the broadcast, um, but I, I do think Robbie Hummel is about as good as it gets uh, from a broadcaster standpoint. He goes, you know, they're helping on actions where there's really nothing happening. Um, I know that's the whole nail slot rim. We can talk about all that stuff again that we've, you know, beaten into the ground last year, but I think that's what, concerns you is if this is a team that wants to play with a, a bigger wing at the three tonight was a suggestion that that's going to be tough to do now big 10 teams don't necessarily play the way that this team did tonight and maybe those things are more possible heck maybe it's more possible against a team like army when you play again in the next game but for tonight those guys really struggled on the defensive end and i think part of it was the switching uh i think you saw um I mean, CJ Gunn was the guy that got subbed out after that last three. Renew was visibly frustrated, I, I I think, with CJ in that scenario. And I know going back to the uh the infamous Sam Story email of the of the offseason, you know, what one of his sources was saying was Renew knows inside and out what they need to be doing defensively. Yep. So I'm gonna take it that that was not his fault because <laughs> he was so pissed that nobody was there. Um and so uh, and I think it was either Walker or Mbako. I think it was Walker in the first half that got yanked after, um, you know, really missing a play defensively as well and giving up an open shot. Um, so Woodson had a pretty quick hook with those guys. I think rightfully so. Um, Walker seemed to me like he was just trying to do way too much. Took shots that really aren't shots you need him taking. Gambled on defense in a way that you don't really need him to instead of just like playing solid positional defense, which he did. Uh, there was a possession in the first half. He was fantastic defensively. The guy tried to drive into him twice, and he just stood his ground, forced it. Second half, he was trying to make more spectacular plays, got driven a couple times. Uh, Mbako, you know, I think a different story with him. I think the switching is, you know, maybe confusing some of these guys. It seemed like they're trying to switch one through four. There was some confusion about that. Um, 
if that's the way Woodson wants to play, which is what he showed in the exhibition games, like they're going to have to iron some of that stuff out and talked about the communication being so important. So he really struggled on that end. And, and I think offensively, particularly early, he was just hesitant um, play early in the game. He gets the ball kind of on the side, doesn't really use a screen kind of stands there, eventually steps on the sideline, just was kind of hesitant to do things. But I thought as the game went on, he got more uh, comfortable taking shots. They ran that, um, you know, kind of pin down. They came off of around close to the elbow um and and made a jumper had the one where his toe was online in the second half i thought he got more comfortable offensively um although probably has the opportunity to finish a little bit stronger than you know trying to do some of these reverses that we saw even in the exhibition games i thought he looked more comfortable on that and just never looked comfortable defensively and uh it was something i, I noticed this on twitter i, I like this tweet from uh aunt Wright, who we had on uh in the off season i'm gonna try to find it it was essentially something uh, to the effect of um, Woodson, hang on, I'll pull, I'll pull it now. Learned a lot today about Indiana and Mike Woodson. He doesn't give a you know what about politics. Wondered if he could make tough decisions in winning time with their front court, and he did. Finish with three guards, renew and wear. And they talked about you know somebody replied with you know surprised about the lack of minutes of Mbako, but somebody else talked you know kind of replied and said he was on the bench standing up, leading the cheers, wasn't sulking, wasn't doing those things. I think that's a positive. Yeah. Um, and I think you got to go back on Woodson's got good relationships with these guys. Those are conversations that he can have after the fact and say, hey, this is what I needed to do to win the game. Here's how I need you to get better uh, to be able to be on the court in those moments. And seems like a guy that's still, you know, bought in and, and responded to that in the right way. Um, you know, time will tell on that. So sorry for the lengthy answer, but I think there's a lot going on with those, those few guys. I didn't even get to, to gun, uh, which we, I, I won't, I won't, uh, I won't go any longer than I already have, but, um, but yeah, things to work out. I think, I think it could be matchup based early on in the season, uh, depending upon how some of these teams play and we'll see if that changes things. Do they change anything, uh, philosophically about what they're trying to do on defense. Yeah. Two guys that we have to talk about, Xavier Johnson and Malik Renew, you know, Indiana's, you know, two veterans other than Trey Galloway. I'm gonna save Malik for meaningful moments because I've got a couple I want to point out, but I want to talk about Xavier Johnson's night. He really struggled in the first half. You know, four point zero assists, two turnovers. It was clear that Florida Gulf Coast defensive game plan coming in is we are not gonna let Xavier Johnson get comfortable in the pick and roll. You know, and he had some possessions where they trapped him and he forced it and you know, turn the ball over. And as we talked about, Indiana really adjusted. You know, they stopped trying to force those pick and rolls. Uh, you know, they let the bigs, you know, they played through their bigs as we saw a lot last season. And I thought Xavier just really adapted well to the game. You know, he realized, okay, this may be a game where I'm not going to be as much of a facilitator in the half court. Uh, although, you know, he was able to get out a little bit um, in transition and make some things happen. But, you know, he finishes with 10 points, one assist, no turnovers uh, in the second half you know, stopped forcing things and was able to pick his spots as a score, you know, made three of those four free throws down the stretch to help ice it, um, you know, hit a big uh, mid range jumper when that opportunity afforded itself. And so, you know, for a guy who, you know, we've kind of seen in his two years at Indiana has kind of struggled early in the season and it looked like it was going to be more of the same there through the first half. I was impressed with the way he adapted to the game and found ways to impact it, even though it was probably a little bit different than what he thought going in based on what their game plan was going to be. And that to me is a really good sign of a sixth year guy who didn't get frustrated, you know, didn't hang his head and didn't keep forcing stuff, which maybe a younger ex might have done. 
Uh, and I thought his ability to do that was a big part of the reason why Indiana was able to improve offensively in the second half, you know, and then down the stretch be able to make the plays that they did. Yeah, I think it's the kind of maturity that you would hope for from a guy in that standpoint who, you know, they really moved him off the ball uh, in large part and let let Cups uh, be the facilitator. But that was really dictated by the way that Florida Gulf Coast was, uh, you know, was defending him. I thought you even saw that last time out of the, that time out at the end of the first half. You saw him come out and basically give uh, a very, a very uh, easy look at what how they were going to attack that defense as the second half began. Uh, and and were really effective in doing so, but I thought he took um, you know took good shots, hit the one three in the midst of that big run. Uh, had another three that um, I think Galloway made a you know one more pass over to or maybe it was Cups I think who who kicked it over to him. Good shot, just missed it. Um, and and I think you know the only thing that you really you know want to see somehow, and this was you know part of just you know, how you handled the press is like, how do you get him the ball? He's the guy that you got to find a way to get the ball into uh, late in the game, let him make decisions and things like that. Uh, whether he should be the guy throwing the ball in or not, probably not. I probably would have had, you know, Galloway doing that, especially with cups and X out there instead of Malik. But um, that's all, uh, <laughs> that's all over and done with at this point. But, um, but I also, you know, he was able to step up, made three or four free throws there down the stretch as he uh, got fouled, may have, uh, embellished the contact just slightly on that uh, offensive foul and the rebounding and, uh, you know, got himself to the line. Uh, also took a so, great charge in the second half, which was a, mm-hmm. would have been a charge under any rules. It felt like he was standing there for, yeah. you know, a good yeah. full second before the guy left in the air. Yeah. So I think I, I think you're going to see different things from him as the game dictates. And I, I think what you like about that is not only how he responded to it, but also the fact that IU has other options there. Yes. Um, and, and I think you you go back to last year and and – you know, Jalen gets in foul trouble, you're in deep trouble. Um, and, and how you work your way out of that. Galloway could be some of that facilitator, but then you take away some of the other things that he's able to do um, by doing that. So I think, if anything, it's a it's a positive in my view of, one, he could be more versatile. They talked about potentially wanting to see some of him in cups together. And based on the matchup, it was the right move. It worked out. Those guys all played well together. Uh, and... So I, I think that part of it to me is a, is a positive. And I think you'll see other games where he really affects the game differently and gets, and gets, is able to get teammates involved and, and whatever, but the, the game plan of the opponent really dictated the way that he was used tonight. No, it's a great point. I mean, you know, being able to, to put Gabe on the ball, you know, and, and X was okay with it, you know, to have a freshman who's able to do that and, and put your six year senior off the ball. I mean, that's just huge, you know? And, and again, you know, with Gabe Cups, and I guess we'll keep saying this, well, you know, can he do it against even bigger and better competition? Like, this guy is ready to play. <laughs> He's ready to play big-time college basketball. He's going to be a huge part of this rotation. I think, you know, we all knew it based on things we'd heard out of practice, but seeing it tonight and seeing his poise and his ability to just step right in in such a huge moment, I mean, that kid, that kid has got something. And, uh, you know, it's not always going to be scoring, although he made a three, and it's not always going to be – you know, stuff that shows up in the stat sheet. I mean, he had one assist, one turnover, one rebound, but those two huge steals. I mean, he just made a huge impact on the game uh, and allowed, you know, Indiana's offense to do what it needed to do um, in a game where they had really been struggling. So 
Lots more to discuss. We're going to get to that uh, here as we go into segment two. Uh, do just want to remind you to sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Uh, every Sunday, we send out the Six Banner Sunday uh, roundup of IU basketball stories and news. We do that all through the offseason, so that always keeps you up to date. And then if you decide to become a premium subscriber, uh, you'll get Tony Adrania's IU Film Room, Coach Tonsoni's Coach's Corner Post, which I thought Coach did a great job of giving the game plan uh, for this game, especially defensively. Um, and so you get all of that and a lot more. Go to assemblycall.com or go to assemblycall.substack.com uh, to sign up. Again, it's free to sign up. There's lots of free content and you can decide if you want to be a premium subscriber as well. All right, Andy, uh, as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's victory over Florida Gulf Coast, we'll point out tonight's meaningful moments you might have missed, and we'll go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game, and at some point, a visit. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. From the coach, you're listening to the Assembly Call. Stick with us. What's up, y'all? It's Devontae Green, giving you the green light to watch Assembly Call after every IU game. Just don't listen to their opinions about shot selection. Remember, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Devontae. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms. Uh, we are awaiting an appearance from the coach, Brian Tonsoni, who is at the press conference right now. But it is the top of segment two, and you know what that means. That's right. This segment brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Ticket Project, where they help individuals and families experience Indiana University athletic events in person for the first time through the generosity of alumni and fans to learn more about how you can donate money or extra tickets to help create meaningful moments for other IU fans. Visit HoosierTicketProject.org. That's HoosierTicketProject.org. Uh, you know, Andy, a couple of Malik Renew moments uh, that, that really summed up for me what was kind of a weird night <laughs> for him. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously the production level was there. He finishes with, I believe, uh, 15 points for the game. You know, and really for a lot of the night, I thought the offense, especially the half-court offense, seemed a lot more settled and just seemed to run more effectively uh, when he was out there. But, you know, we talk about that big run, the 14-0 run that kind of sparked Indiana. And, you know, I mentioned Trey in the banner moment, but originally I was going to go with the play that was right out of that timeout by Mike Woodson. When it's 48-42, Indiana calls that timeout. Again, it just feels like nothing is going right. And Malik got the ball uh, on a pass from Trey Galloway in the short corner and made perhaps the most determined drive that we've seen in Malik's career. 
Like it just felt like a play where he was not going to be denied. He played through contact, got fouled, you know, made the made the shot and just showed a ton of emotion after that. And it really felt like a play that sparked Indiana when they needed something to happen. Uh, and that emotion and that fight was very indicative of what we would see for the next six, seven minutes as Indiana made their run. Uh, and yet, you know, late in the game, when Indiana's trying to salt it away, Malik has position to get a rebound. The ball goes right through his hands. Uh, Florida Gulf Coast gets it. And Malik Renew played 30 minutes tonight and got one rebound which is one of the stranger stats that we've seen, you know, and, and, you know, you mentioned the, the play, you know, in the second half where he was on CJ gun, there also seemed like some plays where he might've been a little bit late, you know, or, or, or didn't quite understand what to do on defense. And so it was a really up and down night for him. But I think what you saw is his presence does seem to settle this team down on the court because of what he's able to do offensively. I think, I mean, if Indiana has an offensive identity right now, it's probably Malik in the post. I mean, that's maybe the the thing that you trust the most. And so it was a very up and down night for him, a little bit more good than bad. And again, I think that play that he made when Indiana really needed something shows the leadership and kind of what he means to this program. And it's something to build on, but goodness gracious, a lot to improve from him as well. Yeah, I, I thought it, what you saw from him was interesting because you you also saw, you know, one of the, the knocks on him last year was obviously the foul issues. And um, he picked up both the ones he picked up in the first half were just silly. Um, one was he's, you know, IU misses a shot or he, he might have been the one who missed it, you know, gets a foul, um, you know, trying to go after the rebound, knocks somebody over. The other one is a foul he makes right about at half court um, with a guy who you've done everything that you wanted to do defensively, forced him out to half court and you make a foul there. And so. The good news is he was able to play 30 minutes because he <laughs> didn't get himself in uh, in foul trouble. And I thought it really was effective around the basket with, um, you know, both hands. And so I think that, you know, you've seen growth from him. He's always had good footwork. I thought he was uh, got away with a couple borderline travels a couple times, to be honest with you. Um, you know, stepped up, took the one three, didn't make it. But I think a guy who can stretch out from there. But I agree. You got to get a little bit more from him, even. Um, you know, one of the rebounds he did get at the end um, where he ended up getting fouled. I think that was the only one he got was in that kind of scramble situation. He didn't really block anybody out. He just was there and went up and got the ball. Um, so I think things you can you can point to with him. But I also think it's a big adjustment. We talked about what he was going to you know have to try to do defensively before the season. And I think some to some extent that was predicated on Kalo Ware taking the other team's four. Well, that has not been happening and it didn't happen tonight. Um, so he's consistently getting put in situations where he's having to guard people out in space and out on the floor a little bit more. And while to the point I made earlier, I think he does really know what they want to do defensively. I also think there are times where he's not used to having to recover quite as quickly to the guy that he's guarding. And so I do think that part of it is a bit of a learning curve from him, uh, defensively, if they're going to continue to play where against the other team's big guy. Um, and so, yeah, a little bit of a mixed bag, but I thought, you know, offensively, particularly you know really in both halves was was solid and, and gave them some stability and it did feel like a little bit like last year of okay we're coming out of a timeout you need to go get a bucket you try to get him the ball inside and I think there were even some times in the first half when it was like all right you need a basket here that did seem like the route they tended to go at least initially to see if he could find something to uh to do in the post and to your point you know the fact that he was playing so far out on the perimeter a lot did probably help lead to his lower rebound total, but you're still going to need a little bit more from Malik. But ladies and gentlemen, live from Bloomington, Indiana, is that is that a fake background coach? Or are you actually there on the floor at Simon Scott Assembly uh, Hall? 
I am I am up in the southeast corner. Uh, found a spot. Hopefully, the noise uh, it brought my mic so that we can cut down on some noise and I can. Uh, the talk intrepid a reporter basketball. there with yes. his microphone. You sound a little hoarse. Were you yelling at the defensive rotations a lot tonight? Okay, sorry, did we lose the connection? No, I think he's okay. It might be the issue might be on your end, Jared. It seems Are we like back. Okay. Go ahead, coach. No, I, I was just saying that uh, Bill Garrett's family is still celebrating down here in the court, and that's what I'm going to remember the most. Uh, yes, there's some things we need to work on, uh, but it was a win, uh, and, and Indiana played better than the result, I think, overall. So, um, yeah, let's talk some hoops. Well, give me your – you were just at the press conference. I haven't had a chance to read any of the quotes. Was there anything that stood out from Coach Woodson's comments or it looked like it was yeah. uh, Ware and Galloway that were there as well? Yeah, I, I tell you what, I was really impressed with Coach Woodson tonight in the press conference. Uh, you could tell that he was happy to get the win but not happy with some, some of the things, especially the defensive rotations. You know, he's got to get that fixed, especially – uh, he, he didn't bring up Walker, but he talked about C.J. and Caleb and uh, Mbako struggling on the defensive end. I think you could add Walker there. But I, I really thought he was he was as honest and upfront in basketball talk as I've seen him in a long time. I think he's getting comfortable uh, in, in his position here coming back to the college game and, and, and doing those things. I know he's coached forever, but uh, he just seemed to have a handle on what worked tonight and what didn't work. I, I love the – the answer to what it, what did, why did you take the timeout uh, that started the fourteen zero? And he said, "Hell, I had to, I had to, I had no choice." <laughs> and I just thought, I, I just thought he understood that this team has a lot to work on, and it found a way to grind out a win. And as a coach, you're you're always happy to go back and and look at that film and, and fix some of those things. So I thought that was the big takeaway was just his comfort level, and. and I, I couldn't have agreed more with, with what he said. The backside of the defense was where the problem was. It wasn't the initial defense. It was, you know, when the ball got kicked out or, or someone was staying a little too long. And and I think he's he's aware of that, and he's got a lot of new guys that are struggling in that area. And that's where the threes. But he also made a good point, too. Indiana only gave up 63 points. Like, that's in the ballpark. You're going to win a lot of college basketball games if you only give up 63 points. I don't care if they come from threes or twos. We get caught up in the three-point shot because it's a glorious deep shot and it's a momentum thing. But 63 points, give me 63 points every night. Uh, and I think the the problem was offense. Uh, and they made adjustments um, at halftime. Uh, to do some things with the the pick and roll to the short roll, as Andy mentioned in the Discord, uh, that was really good. They put X on the right side instead of the left side. Then they put the ball in Galloway's hand and Cup's hand. So, man, there's a lot of good stuff tonight, uh, despite the stress that we all were under. Uh, but I thought he was real, really good in the press conference. Well, we're talking meaningful moments here. Uh, we just you know talked about a few with Malik that I know you heard. Anything that stood out being there that you saw that maybe we weren't able to capture on TV uh, that was really notable to you? Yeah, short of that, the the first segment in the second half, I thought Indiana's defensive intensity um, and what was really good. The players talked about lack of communication, and that's what happens when you're switching aggressively and you don't communicate, then someone gets out of position and then the rotations are really, really bad. But, man, I've been watching in in the exhibitions and then when I was here tonight, they are they are really given maximum effort. They may not have executed well. They may have 
done some things wrong tonight and a lot of things wrong. But this team plays hard. And you can see it from uh, guys off the ball. And you can really see the guys who struggle off the ball, uh, just pointing and looking and twisting. And, and, and sometimes I don't think the camera will have that when we're at home watching. But there's no doubt that this team plays hard. Uh, this, I mean, not just effort, but plays hard. And they're together, too. And Baco is cheering on the bench. He didn't get a lot of run at 10 minutes. That is, that is good to see. You know, you always want to watch the body language uh, on the bench, and, and we don't see that necessarily on, on TV. I just thought, man, Woodson's adjustments in the second half offensively and that timeout, whatever he said to get him going, were the keys to the game. Um, and the whole body language came out, coming out of that timeout was one that they were going to get it done. And those are that's Indiana basketball of old. You're coming in the hall. We're going to kick your butt. We're going to win, even when we play subpar. And that feeling was there tonight, and that was exciting. Like then, all of a sudden, the crowd got going. It got down to, you know, three. We're down three, and then we're down one. And the crowd. I mean, that just brought back all of those memories that we've all been here in the hall about picking up a team that's struggling, and finding a way to gut out a win, even when you don't play well. That's Indiana basketball. That was present tonight. That's what I'm going to focus on. Andy? Yeah, yeah, I really thought, you know, you talk about the guys playing hard. It was a couple of things I jotted down as potential moments with uh, with Khalil Ware, uh, one of which I want to get your thoughts on um, defensively, Coach, just a couple of questions that you might, would probably be able to pick up on better than me. But um, So I kind of do these in, in maybe the reverse order. But, you know, one of them was late in the game, he gets a foul kind of going through somebody's back to try to deflect a pass. But – you know, trying to make a play, trying to be in the right spot defensively, doesn't hang his head, goes back next play, doesn't give up space, knocks the ball off the guy's leg. Just really thought he was 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 focused. I mean, the block shots are great where he's you know sending it into the eleventh row, but um, you know, I thought even some of the things like that, I was impressed with with him. And you know, one of the other ones was uh, I think it was the second bucket in that run, um, where it goes and kind of traps a guy over by the sideline, uh, and and in my head i just reserved myself to all right they're going to take a timeout he's trapped where like rips the ball away from him kicks it ahead x gets a layup kind of keeps that momentum going another big play that gets the crowd into it uh as well and I, there were a couple times i felt like they trapped there was one in the first half where galloway kind of saw a guy in the corner um so i guess coach thoughts defensively on you know if that's just like a something they're freelancing and doing or if that's something that they're trying to do more of this year with the um, with some of the guys that they have and just uh, other, uh, just as a segue, just to you know, get any other thoughts you're seeing about the kind of switching seemingly one through four that they're trying to do and maybe what's going well and not going well uh, with that. First of all, I think it is a freelance, but they're given the license to go trap when there is uh, an opportunity. I think they're so quick and athletic defensively. And what a great read by Ware and a great pickup by you, Andy, too, on that uh, where they trapped on the sideline, got a deflection, and went down the other end. And then also the other one where he knocked the ball off the knee. Like, Ware was everywhere tonight. And you can tell when he's locked in by how he rebounds. When he rebounds with two hands and goes after the basketball, you know he's locked in. We had several comments like that in the Discord channel. Uh, he, he was locked in. Everyone loves the blocks, but it's the rebounding and, and those quick hands. The switching, Andy, I love it. I love it, but it has to be mastered. And that's the reason Marion hit some threes and, the, and, and maybe some teams will hit some. But if you're going to switch, 
if you do it aggressively, you're going to create a whole mess of problems for the teams that you play against. If you do it just passively because you can't guard anybody, then that's not good switching. Indiana's trying to do the, the right brand of switching, in my opinion. Uh, and But when you switch, there's a lot of lessons on the backside that need to be learned as far as communication and knowing when to switch and when to stay and when to fight back and when to rotate. And Indiana, with all its new guys right now, is just struggling on that backside, as Coach Woodson said. But it is – it is a great defense, and I think if, if it can be mastered, Indiana will just, I mean, again, 63 points. We were talking in the first half how dominant. And short of that first eight minutes or ten minutes of the second half where I, I thought they really struggled defensively, it was a pretty dominating performance. This team you know, beat USC last year, and I know Isaiah Thompson was out, and but they had eight starters coming back, eight of their best starters, and really, you know, they hit a lot of threes, but some of them were heat checks, you know. Um, I love the switching. I, I just I love what Coach Woodson's doing with that defense. I think it'll win more games than lose. And look, none of us expected it to be a finished product on November 7th. And I think what you saw tonight, as we mentioned earlier, is the potential for what it can be. Because in stretches, it looked absolutely dynamic and fantastic. It just wasn't consistent. And that's fine. I mean, I think if you were expecting more than that, you probably came into this with higher expectations than were reasonable. But now, obviously, the team has to improve and start to clear up some of those things. And we'll watch that moving forward. Last moment I wanted to mention before we get uh, to inside the numbers goes back to the first half. And it's just another way to praise Khalil Ware, who was awesome and by far the best player on the court tonight. Uh, you know, but Indiana was up 22 to 16. And it really felt like, hey, here's a chance for Indiana. Seize control, put some space between us and them. Florida Gulf Coast, man, to their credit. I mean, they were tough mentally and physically tonight. They immediately go on a 5-0 run, get it back to 22-21, you know, and everybody kind of like sits back in their seats like, oh, man, okay, you know, we're in a dogfight. What happens next? Florida Gulf Coast misses a three. Khalil gets another huge rebound, a tough rebound, which he did all night long, and then goes down and drains a three in transition, which was huge. Put Indiana back up 25-21, to and just in that stretch, you know, showed – I mean, this is just a different type of guy than we've had. And it's not to say that he's better than Trace Jackson Davis, because obviously what Trace Jackson Davis was last year was amazing. But he's a guy with more dimensions to his game, even if any single dimension isn't as dominant or as good as what Trace was very good at. But he can just do so many things. And we saw a lot of them tonight uh, and certainly saw him in that stretch right there. All right, next up, it is time to go Inside the Numbers. Inside the Numbers this season brought to you by Jackson Hewitt Tax Services. If you live in Bloomington or the surrounding areas and you want your taxes done right, contact our friend and chat mob Hall of Famer Megan Mahaffey and her team in Bloomington, Bedford, and Martinsville by calling 812-339-3334 or by visiting jacksonhewitt.com. All right, let's pick out a few numbers here, gentlemen, uh, that really stand out. And, you know, I think we probably need to go to the rebounding right off the bat. Indiana uh, with 33 total rebounds, Florida Gulf Coast with 33. Uh, I don't have the actual rebounding percentages here in front of me, so we'll have to talk kind of rebound margin. But I think, Coach, it was the 13 offensive rebounds for Florida Gulf Coast, you know, that was that was really a concern. Um, you know, and this is probably one of the things that has been the biggest disappointment, I think, so far early in the season in the three public opportunities we've gotten to see the team we all thought rebounding would be a strength, and this is now three straight games against undermanned, outsized teams or, or teams where we have a size advantage where the rebounding has been even or even a little bit in their direction. Um, and that is a concern. And obviously, you can, you know, some 
you know, it's, hey, long three pointers, blah, 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 all this stuff. Indiana just needs to shore that up because uh, right now it's not good enough um, for what it's going to need to be, you know, for the schedule in the near future and especially in Big Ten play. Yeah, absolutely. Rebounding uh, sparks your transition game. Uh, there were four block shots out of bounds. I think those are team rebounds that kind of count there too. So their stats are, are stats, but I do think there's a trend, and I agree with you right now, that uh, Indiana has to pursue the basketball a, a, a little bit better uh, on that end. But it, it also is, you know, the worst teams to rebound against are those teams that just jack up the heat checks because <laughs> when they miss, there's it, it can go – you know, long, it can go any direction. So it's a hard team. Those teams are hard to rebound against, not making excuses, but that's, that's definitely going to be a concern of, of coach Woodson going forward. Yeah. I I thought same thing as you coach. I I noted that in the discord as well. I think of the eight offensive rebounds that the, the first eight offensive rebounds of Florida Gulf coast had that four of them were team rebounds. And I I think at least three were the wear blocks. There might've been another one that was blocked by somebody else. I think, and I think there was another one where Mbako got a block. It just like falls right into somebody's hands in the lane and they do that. So I think there are, if you look individually at some of those, maybe not as bad as it seems. However, um, I think still, you know, a fair concern in some regards, just given what we, we saw before um, in terms of other numbers, I think coach talked about this, the rebounding can lead to transition. And that was something that IU excelled at in the Marion game. You know, in this game, fast break points is nine to seven. They had the one where they, after a made basket, hit ahead to to Galloway, and that, that was, was a, a play. A, that was a big play uh, in the moment. But in general, for a team that was really struggling offensively, they couldn't get a lot of easy baskets in transition to really, um, you know, to do to to get much going. And then you know, bench points get outscored twenty two to seven. Uh, we talked about we talked about that. You know, five of those points came from cups, and I think. Um, his his contributions cannot necessarily be measured by uh, the exact numbers that are on there, you know, based on some of the things that he did. But, um, you know, with him, a, a number, he was one of two on three pointers. And I say that only because they had had a nice uh, series of passes, got him, you know, took an open three, missed it. And I think it was the very next possession without hesitation coming off a screen, took another one. Um, and I think good for him to have that level of confidence to be able to put it up even better that it went in. Um, but I think a, a guy who, uh, really sparked, you know, sparked the team defensively, but also showed he can do a few things on the offensive end, had a couple great passes. That was one, I think to Galloway in that stretch where IU was playing really well offensively. There was just a wide open three great yeah. find, uh, great pass there. And, and so, you know, points wise on the bench though, that is a concern. You didn't get a ton of minutes from most of those guys. Um, and it's certainly too early to look ahead to, well, these guys are going to get worn down by the end of the season, all that kind of stuff. But for a team where we were all excited about the depth through one night, you didn't get a lot of production there uh, in, in that regard. And you get outscored by 15 points on the, um, you know, off the, off the bench from, uh, from your opponent. Yeah. It's a good one, Andy coach. What number stands out to you? You're muted. We, we need to unmute you. I was trying to fix that audio. Um, 11 assists, 11 turnovers. Uh, I thought Indiana was really sloppy uh, at, at times, especially early in the game. Uh, and then they straightened out the the turnovers. Uh, but this team, uh, Florida Gulf Coast, was really strong on ball pressure. And I don't think Indiana 
uh, handled that very well. They waited too long, dribbled too too much. And, again, that's something that I think Coach Woodson will go back in, and I, I do believe they made some really good adjustments to get that ball moving in the second half, and those numbers got a lot better in, in the second half. But Indiana can't win games if they have the same number of assists as turnovers going forward. Uh, another 11 was the number of missed free throws in the game, too. So, yeah. obviously, as an IU show, we will be remiss not to uh, not to discuss poor free throw shooting. It was much better in the second half. They were 9 of 12 in the second half as opposed to just 10 of 18 in the first. But um, for a team that really, like, that was what got them. I, and I think that led to some of the disjointedness from them offensively in the first half was there's a lot of whistles, a lot of whatever, but um, got to be able to, to knock those down to at least a little bit higher clip um if they're going to get there that much and i think they have the athletes to be able to get fouled and get to the line i don't think they're inherently poor free throw shooters i know woodson even said something about where uh being able to make his after the game you know his he was just he was eight of 12 but renew was three of six x was three of six uh so a team effort to get to uh 11 missed free throws yeah, man, I know we were honoring Bill Garrett tonight, but for a while there, it felt like we were honoring Archie Miller with the way that game was going and the free throw shooting. And look, this is still going to be The offense in the first half was definitely an homage <laughs> to, uh, to Archie. It was. And, you know, look, I mean, this is still going to be a team. It, it's going to look different, and the way they're going to get there is different. We're seeing that, but there's still going to be a team that goes inside, as we said. I mean, if this team has an offensive identity right now, it's Malik Renew. You know, and so you get 30 free throws. You got to be able to knock down uh, more of those. So that's obviously something to watch. Nothing to be overly concerned about yet, uh, but certainly something to uh, to keep an eye on. Also, five blocks uh, and six steals for Indiana. Uh, and I think it's going to be pretty disappointing anytime that's under 10, <clears throat> just given the length and the activity uh, that this team has. And so Indiana was able to win the turnover battle, you know, in part uh, because of that. Um, coach, I know, uh, we got you in here late. So before we head to segment three, any other individuals or anything else that you want to discuss that you saw before we get to game balls? I, I know you probably talked about Gabe cups already, so I, I'll, I'll keep it short. Um, but coach Woodson was quoted as saying he's a winner. Uh, it was a talk of, of press room, uh, beforehand, a lot of little things that happen. Um, just watching his stance, how he, how he catches, dribblers in the chest with his hands out yeah. to, to avoid fouling and just makes players have to go back and forth. It, it is just a, a beautiful thing to see uh, there and his aggressiveness on, on offense. I, I think once uh, tra transferring over to Mbako, he's going to be fine. Um, he, he just needs to learn how to play position defense. And once he does, then he'll, he'll get some more run and he just couldn't get in at that last 10 minutes because uh you know, the team was playing so well, but he, he's lost a little bit defensively. I mean, he's just turning around and, and not understanding things. And you see that a lot when uh, you're not, um, you know, the TV camera's not focused on the ball. But well, you uh, know, And the other thing, too, about McKenzie and Baco, coach, I mean, he didn't have a great shooting night. He was two for six, missed a couple of open threes. But the shot that he made, you know, kind of coming off the screen on the block where he, you know, comes off, gets it, close to the elbow or maybe a little bit farther out, but just turns in one motion and makes the shot. We haven't had a lot of guys that can make that shot, you know? And so you're yeah. seeing from yeah. him every time he's out there, you're seeing dimensions to his offensive game that are unique, you know, and a guy who can be a three level scorer. And again, nothing to be concerned about, you know, yet he's the defense is going to get better. He's going to get on the court. Um, you know, but even in a game like tonight, you start, you see some of the things he can do that no one else can do. Um, and again, I just keep, I think with this team, 
maybe more so than any team since we've been doing the assembly call, you really have to try and envision what is this going to look like in January and February, you know, because it really does feel like there's just a huge ceiling for this team to potentially hit, you know, and so we'll kind of be tracking. Are they getting better at those little things? How much better is this looking? You know, if this is the floor performance, there's going to be nothing wrong with that. You know, obviously it needs to get a lot better from here. And then, uh, you know, there are a lot of bad things that we haven't even talked about tonight, but if this is the floor and this team with all these pieces can keep getting better, that's going to be fine. And I think Mbako is especially indicative of that. Yeah. And, and, you know, coach Woodson said that Malik looks at people and gets called for fouls. So (laughs) that was his quote. I I thought Malik tried really hard to guard on the perimeter. I loved his stance. Uh, I loved how he was switching out. He it's a, it's just a work in progress. He's going to look really good three or four possessions in a row. And then he's going to struggle at at times because that's new, new for him. And I think that's just going to be, you know, with, with this Indiana team, they're, they're in that over help to start. And it really, you gotta, you gotta time it perfectly to get out of that. And guys are staying too long in that nail slot rim when they're on the nail. And then the backside guys aren't rotating up as much. And that's just reps. Coach Woodson said reps and reps and reps and reps. And and, and you said a lot. And I think it's true. We all need to listen to this. We're going to be better in the back end of December, early January, after the, these guys have played and played and played and seen it on film and got a lot of reps in. But that's why we're giving up a lot of threes right now. These new guys are trying to do the defense the way Woodson wants it. And they're just staying a little bit too long. Um, whether you like that type of defense or not that's what's happening because it can be an effective defense but you, you got to be perfect on your timing and your backside rotations and in, in indiana's far from it yep okay coming up here on the assembly call as we head to our final segment of the night we will hand out our game balls and hoosier hustle award discuss a lingering question or two and then look ahead to what's next for this indiana team that's next on the assembly call stick with us It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Thomas Bryant. What's the only thing better than being Kentucky in the NCAA tournament? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Thomas. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach Brian Tonsoni live 
from Simon Scott Assembly Hall, breaking down Indiana's six-point victory over Florida Gulf Coast to open up the 2023-24 season. It's time now for our Game Balls, presented by our friends Allie and James at Bloom Environmental. As we enter the colder months and begin to stay indoors a bit more, they want to make sure everyone knows about radon, a colorless, odorless, radioactive gas that is the leading cause of lung cancer in non-smokers. It enters buildings through cracks and gaps in the foundation, and through service pipes of homes. You can contact Bloom Environmental today, mention the assembly call, and get a free radon test kit and mitigation estimate. Learn more at bloomenviro.com. That is bloomenviro.com. All right, let's go around the horn. Uh, Andy Ryan texted us his game ball uh, in absentia. Can't be here, but it's going to Khalil Ware. I have a feeling most of them are going to go in that direction, but let's, uh, let's make it official. We'll start with you. Who gets your game ball tonight? Wow, I missed I missed that text. Wow, how nice of him to to send that in. <laughs> I mean, it's an uh, odd start time, you know. I mean, it's what was it four thirty? I gotta tell you, I found myself Pacific. tonight not loving the start time either. By the time I get home from work and then, you know, whatever, it's like it's almost time for the game to start. So I tried to hold it in to you know, so I didn't sound like him. But it's completely ridiculous. Some would say it is. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna go with where as well. Um, you know, 13 points, led the team in rebounds, assists, blocks, and steals. Um, and, uh, it played, it looks like he sat out a minute in the second half. I didn't really remember that. I actually went to look cause I thought he had played the entire second half. Although Galloway played, this has Galloway for 20 minutes in the second half X for 19 and where for 19. So, um, you know, really I thought big minutes from him and really was able to maintain a, a pretty strong effort level, uh, especially given all the background, the questions and all of that coming in felt like he was really able to sustain that over the course of the game. We talked about some of the defensive plays he made down the stretch, um, you know, was, was really strong on the glass. And uh, so I'll give it to Khalil coach. Uh, yeah. Where gets it for me. Um, the way he rebounded his block shot, set the tone early, uh, a big three late. I liked his post move. I think it was in that 14 0 run where he just turned and he went through someone. It, it yeah. didn't. It looked awkward and it, it didn't look fluid. But he had been getting pushed around in the first two exhibition games, and he just took that ball and was going to go through someone. And I think if there's any questions about his motor, tonight rebounding, block shots, his hustle on the deflections, as Andy mentioned earlier, and then that particular post move that I'm going to score through someone is the kind of motor, uh, if that kid plays like that, yeah, he's definitely going to reach uh, all of the – predictions for him as far as playing at the next level so where gets my game ball i mean 13 points on five field goal attempts 12 boards four assists three blocks two steals and zero turnovers i mean have a debut in bloomington khalil Ware. i mean that is just a terrific stat sheet stuffing performance from khalil so he is clearly my game ball and he is the official winner uh but i do want to just log a secondary vote for trey galloway for a lot of the reasons that i mentioned in the banner moment Again, with Trey, you know, we talked about how important his scoring would be. You know, he's, you know, he's in that, that shooting guard's, you know, spot. Is Indiana going to get production? Can he find more ways to score? And we saw that tonight with him leading Indiana with 16 points on nine shots. So very efficient from Trey, scoring in different ways. And I thought his hustle at times just made huge plays that either gave Indiana the lead or especially late extended it from six to eight, you know, kept space. And he was obviously a big part of the defense there. So, you know, I think there, there's a number of ways that, that you could go reasonably. Uh, but Khalil was the best player on the floor and the most productive one, so he gets it. Um, but I just wanted to uh, to, give a, to give another nod to Trey because, look, you know, I've mentioned a few times, you know, 
hey, we're not seeing anything from him offensively in the exhibition game. Is he going to get it going? Clearly he is. You know, And so if this is what we're going to see from Trey offensively this year, then clearly he's taken another step. You know, We'll have to see. It's just one game, so you don't want to overreact to the one game. But his team needed him, uh, and he was huge in all the ways that we've kind of wondered if he could be huge uh, this season. He really stepped up and was able to do it in this one. All right, next up, it is the uh, the Gabe Cups Hoosier Hustle Award. I feel like we're one game into this, and uh, people in the chat mob are already saying we should rename it after him. Let's maybe slow down on that a little bit, but I have a feeling he's going to get a lot of mention uh, in this slot as the season goes on. Here we go. Hi, this is Anthony Leal, and it's time for the Hoosier Hustle Award. But first, I have some exciting news to share about our friends at Evansville Security Services. They've been acquired. They are now part of the team at Security Pro 24-7, which provides trusted and reliable security for your event or business, from Bloomington, my hometown, to Evansville, where Coach Calvert Chaney grew up, and everything in between. Just like hustle can't be measured by stats, prevention can't be measured either. But it has a huge impact on your bottom line and peace of mind. So let the security pros at Security Pro 24-7 help you prevent a bad outcome today. Visit securitypro247.com to learn more. That's securitypro247.com. And tell them Anthony Leo sang you. I feel like we need some sort of overlay so we're not just like staring at the camera awkwardly for a minute while that, <laughs> while that plays. Um, but let's go with the, uh, with the Hoosier Hustle Award. Coach, we'll go to you first. Uh, Gabe Cups. I, I mean, just Gabe Cups. Um, he he was in, and he I think he was part of the rotation that gave up the three to make it forty eight to forty two, and then Woodson called the timeout. So he was in there and, and made a mistake. But winners, when they make mistakes, come back and and have a killer instinct. And he was, I mean, I he he got a block shot, I think, at the rim one time. He got a a couple deflections. He was part of that trap with Ware. My goodness gracious, um, yeah. We're going to love him, and all of our opponents are going to hate him. Gabe Cups. Love, love guys like that. Andy, who gets your Hoosier Hustle Award? Yeah, I'll give mine to Cups as well uh, for, for all the reasons that Coach said. Just thought his on-ball defense was really good. And quite honestly, him playing so well allowed IU to stick with the three-guard lineup. Uh, I don't know if he comes in and doesn't play well as Woodson tempted to go back with some of the other guys to try to figure out a combination that worked. And and so I thought he played so well defensively that it re- – and. You know, took good care of the ball and uh, got guys where they needed to be, uh, and and so really enabled them to stick with that lineup because it was so effective. But you know, like you, Jared, I'll, I'll give honorable mention to Trey on this one for sure. He, I thought he had a number of hustle plays. You talked about, uh, you know, the one in the midst of that run where, uh, you know, he gets uh, hustle play leads to the, um, I think a, a floater from him, uh, and then uh, exit the three right after that. A lot of hustle plays late in the game to to kind of run down long rebounds and things like that. So. Uh, I, I would I would definitely put him in that discussion, but I think uh, one of the things we'll probably look back on for this season, you you don't think too much about game one by the time you get to the end, but I think if you think back to this game, I, I think Cups will be a, a big storyline and something that we'll, uh, we'll remember as a, as a difference maker in this one. Like, I, I can't really argue against Cups. He was awesome, uh, but I will log my vote to, for Trey Galloway, and it's not just to be contrarian. You know, Trey played 37 minutes, Cups played 19, and I think Trey made – you know, as many hustle plays for minute as Cups did while he was out there. Uh, and just like Cups were kind of game ceiling plays there late, I thought Trey's were as well. So, you know, we all love Gabe Cups. 
Let's slow down just a little bit on defaulting to him always on this award, even though he's very deserving yeah. tonight. Uh, but I feel Trey's like, you know, it's like that one meme, you know, where the guy's like standing with the girl, but then looking back at the other one. I feel like that's how Trey probably feels now with the Hustle Award. He's like, hey, you guys used to default to me. And on this night, when his hustle really defined, I thought uh, Indiana's comeback and, and his hustle play gave him the lead they didn't relinquish. Uh, I'm giving it to Trey. But look, you, you can't go wrong either way. And I would actually like to log, you know, just a, a, another vote for Malik Renew. Um, I, I think he made mistakes, but I thought he played really, really hard, you know. And, and you look at the plus minus for tonight. He led Indiana plus 14. And, and I, I think even with his warts and, and coach, I want to get your thoughts on this. I thought watching, you know, on TV, everything just looked more settled offensively when he was out there. Uh, you know, there's something about him and, and Andy, you mentioned, you know, the email Sam story sent out, you know, that, that kind of talked about how, you know, Malik is kind of the guy that knows where everybody's supposed to be. has really taken on leadership. I just thought there was a calming presence he had on the court. Um, and so for all the warts that his performance had, it wasn't for lack of effort at all. He was diving on the floor. He was playing hard. He's going to take some defensive bullets in some of these lineups because he's playing out of position on the perimeter instead of using his big body and tree trunk legs down low. And I think that perspective and context is important for assessing his performance. Um, and so there were warts tonight, but I thought overall he was hugely impactful, uh, both with the tone that his effort and his toughness set um, and just how much guys seem to just feel better with him on the court offensively. Yeah, I think he's he's their go-to, obviously, in the post. And, I, again, I thought Indiana did a nice job. When they needed baskets, they got it to Renew down low. And then give Renew credit, too. Uh, how, you mentioned it earlier, I think, how hard he went on that one particular drive, but all of his post moves were real quick. He, he got in trouble a little bit when they doubled, um, and he needs to work on the kickouts, just like Trace Jackson Davis did. You know, we forget Trace Jackson Davis had four years of – getting that kind of attention now Malik is going to get that he, it's a learning process for him his passing out of the post has to improve but I thought he really did a nice job of scoring uh, in the post when Indiana needed it and and I, I thought his stance and effort was there and, and he's gonna just have some some times where you said take some bullets he's gonna be overmatched uh, with quickness but I really think I saw a lot of good things defensively from him tonight Let's talk lingering questions. Um, I have one. Chat mob, if you guys want to pop some in there, uh, we maybe we'll pick one of those and talk about it too. The lingering question I want to ask, Andy, is who's the real Anthony Walker? Um, you know, we saw the guy in the exhibition games that was outstanding. He got our hustle award in both of the exhibition games, and I thought played solid. He's a guy that I think when you kind of painted the picture for why is he a good addition to this team, it's because of the length and switchability on defense, which fits into what Woodson wants to do. But it was also the idea that, hey, this is an inexperienced team that hasn't really gone deep in the tournament and guys without a lot of experience. Walker will come in with that experience, make smart plays. And tonight, you know, I thought his shot selection was off and really took some shots outside of the offense that you don't want to see. You know, there was a play defensively where, you know, a guy just made a simple jab step and, and Walker's feet got completely shuffled around. And instead of, you know, now forcing the, the drive toward the baseline, he just left a wide open lane for the guy to go. And they're the kind of mistakes you would expect maybe from a freshman or a sophomore, not a grizzled veteran who's played on Final Four teams, although obviously his minutes diminished the last couple of years. And so, you know, of all the players, I think, on the roster, probably the biggest swing in performance from what we saw in the exhibitions to tonight was Walker. But he was clearly a guy that Woodson trusts because he was the first one off the bench. 
You know, and so that to me is the big question. What are we going to see from him? Because a lot of us were a little unsure exactly where he'd be in the rotation, what he'd bring. And now the pendulum has really swung quite, uh, you know, quite rapidly um, just in the in the three public performances we've seen. I, I, I will take the optimistic view and 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 think that he's going to be fine. I, I think there were stretches in the first half where he played really well defensively. And then I thought the beginning of the second half, he fell into some of the same things as everybody else and was getting lost and really got, you know, sucked down into the lane. There was one the Florida Gulf Coast guy drove. He's basically underneath the basket. Walker's supposed to be guarding the guy at the top of the key, and he's all the way down in the middle of the lane um, and, and recovered too late to try to do something there. And, and to me, this is, I mean, I don't know him from from anybody. It felt like a veteran guy trying to make shots to right the ship when he took shots at where he did in the second half. It didn't, you know, again, it, this is total speculation on my part. Didn't feel like it was selfish because I don't, get the sense that that's the kind of player that he is. Otherwise I'm not really sure why he would have taken the role that he did on those Miami teams and even come to IU with somewhat of an understanding that his role wasn't going to be a huge one. It felt to me like a veteran guy trying to make a play to stem the tide. Um, I think they were both ill-advised shots. (laughs) So I don't, you know, I, I think you certainly looking at those shots, it's hard to suggest that they were good, but I think you can, for a game rationalize why a guy in his position with his background may have taken those shots. So I'm not overly worried. I think, um, I also think you probably underestimate to a certain extent. I think we all probably do, even though this is a veteran guy, first real game in assembly hall, first actual game of what your last season of playing basketball is going to be. And I think that he was just trying to do too much is what it seemed like to me. Uh, it wasn't really a lack of effort. I just thought everything was, if he just slowed down a little bit, he probably would have been fine. Very fair. But besides, Devontae Green would suggest that we don't know what we're talking about when it comes to shot selection anyway. So well, I'm, but sure, no, I think, I'm sure he's I think not alone. Painted, but. I think you painted both an optimistic and fair perspective there. Coach, do you, are you buying what Andy's selling? Yeah, it's game one. With every negative turn we can take about players and stats and everything it's game one uh, against a team that had some veteran presence back was a top 150 ken palm it wasn't uh someone in the 300s uh a lot to be concerned about uh but walker was, was a little lost today defensively now whether that was overplaying or uh you know trying to think too much uh, especially in that second half and then it seemed like one mistake was compounded and then two mistakes and he was just constantly trying to recover uh, and I, I thought it was a little late for Woodson to take him out actually they uh, they took where for that minute where and X got taken out cups and uh, I forget who came in renew came back in so um, that that was a, a, a problem there I think but yeah Walker's an athlete but you also saw maybe why he was uh, a limited minute player uh, on a Final Four team. If, if his basketball understanding defensively and offensively is a struggle, if it continues and not a one game situation, then maybe you see that he's going to be one of those energy guys that you need for eight minutes here, ten minutes here, or the right matchup. That time, time will tell. I thought him being the first off the bench was he's going to be a significant role player, but he's got to play a lot better in order to maintain those minutes. My apologies, by the way. My internet is unstable, so if there are any issues, that is uh, that is why. No, and I agree with you. You know, I asked the question, but I, I think Andy, my my feelings align more with yours, and uh, you know, we'll just have to 
have to watch how that goes. Uh, let's take one more lingering question here from the chat mob, and it's about a guy that we really haven't talked about much tonight, and that's CJ Gunn. Um, you know, Royce, uh, you know, says, when will Gunn and Banks start to produce? Uh, you know, I'm staying, I'm especially staying patient with Gunn or with Banks, uh, you know, because he's dealt with some injuries and so kind of getting back up to speed. So, uh, you know, waiting a little bit with him. You know, I think with CJ, you know, fair to expect more, um, you know, than than zero points and nine minutes and some struggles defensively. Uh, you know, I think from a shooting perspective, he's a guy who his entire basketball career has been a volume kind of rhythm shooter where, you know, he needs shots to get in a rhythm and get going and he can get red hot. But, you know, taking just a couple shots a game, I think has been a tough adjustment for him. I know it's been a tough adjustment for him, uh, which isn't an excuse. The role he's got, he needs to be able to come in and score. Um, but I think it's fair to, to continue to have patience with him as a young second year player. Um, but coach, I think maybe the bigger concern than the offense is is the defense, as, as Woodson talked about, um, you know, because we're going to need those long athletic wings to get into this, uh, you know, to to really understand the defense so that it can be as good as possible. So I'm not I'm not overly concerned about it yet. You know, obviously, we need to see more games to know what's going to be a trend and what's not. Um, but, you know, obviously, as we move forward, Indiana is going to need to get more production from him. And I'm sure, sure CJ would be the first person to tell you that. Yeah, I think CJ, CJ will be fine. For me, it's just a matter of when, you know, um, he's a sophomore, a developmental guy who was a heavy volume shooter in high school, trying to find his niche and get in the rhythm when he doesn't have all those shots and all those minutes. Um, and then in the game tonight, like he couldn't get back in in that second half. It wasn't necessarily CJ gun issues. Just Indiana had to go win a game, you know? Um, and, and so you gotta, you gotta come in and produce when you have your run or, or you're going to run into some trouble. So I, I'm confident in CJ, uh, Caleb missing two weeks and some of the, the stuff that he played tonight and in the Marion, he's a little behind schedule, it seems. I hope he, you know, again, just stays with it himself, doesn't get down on himself, and, and then that snowballs into less and less less playing time that, uh, you know, he's got to get it done in practice and be efficient in practice and earn playing time. And then when he has his run out here, he's got to make the most of it. But I think CJ's ahead of Caleb, and I think CJ will be fine. He's just got to have that game, that breakout game, to get that confidence going. All right, so as we move forward, we will have a show on Thursday night, Assembly Call Radio. Uh, no word yet on who will be there. I, I imagine Ryan will be there, so we'll get his thoughts on that game, and we may try and get Tony on with us as well. Uh, but this was uh, over-unders week, is it not? Oh, that's right. We're doing over-unders Admi- with admittedly, Jay. I've thought yeah, that we for can't multiple... keep pushing that off. You're right. Admittedly, I've thought that for multiple right. weeks at this point, right. so you can just keep kicking it down the road if you want, but I, I was under the impression that that would be happening this week. I think that's Jay's plan. Just keep kicking it down the road so he has more and more data, you know, so his over-unders look better. But, yes, we are supposed to do that, but we'll also hopefully get, uh, you know, a few additional thoughts on this game uh, from maybe some folks that weren't on the post-game show. But that's coming Thursday. And then Indiana plays Army. When's the Army game? Is that this weekend? Sun- Sunday at 7, I want to say. Sunday at 7. Andy, uh, Army – you know, one of the worst teams on Indiana's schedule. They are a sub uh, 300 team, 302 right now in Ken Palm. Any any notes on Army? Anything we should know about about them? No, I don't know anything about them other than they lost to Marist by double digits in their opening okay. game. And according to where Ken Palm has them right, as of right now, they're the worst team on IU schedule by about 100 spots. So okay. uh, uh, hopefully a bit less uh, a bit less sweating out uh, the outcome in this one. 
you know, but potentially a game for a guy like McKenzie and Baco to come in and, and put up double digits and kind of get himself going and maybe some of the bench guys, um, you know, and, and to work on just some of the fundamental defensive things, coach, that we've talked about. So we will be here with a post game show. Not sure what the lineup will be for that, but we will be here uh, talking about that game after it happens. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU post game show. Remember, as always, to check out our friends at Homefield Apparel, the presenting sponsor of the Back Home Network. Use the promo code HOME23 at checkout to get 15% off your first order. Uh, That's HOME23 at checkout. All right, guys, time for last call. Andy, we will start with you. Final thoughts on Indiana's opening season or season opening victory over Florida Gulf Coast. A win is a win, uh, has this been said many times. And I think uh, there were a lot of things to be positive about in this game. Like we said at the beginning, it it made for uh, the way the game played out and the way some of the – some of the guys played and, and some of the ebbs and flows of the game really made for a good postgame show uh, it, just in terms of giving a lot of different different angles, different things to talk about. And uh, it, it, like you said, it's it's a bit of a Rorschach test on what you think about this team, because there was a lot of things that you could watch tonight and feel really excited about. Hey, if this trajectory continues, if we can get these guys playing well together at the same time, all that stuff. I think there's uh, a lot of positives and I, I at least hope to take the more optimistic, uh, you know, side of things as we, uh, as we move forward, because I think there's just a wide range of outcomes for this team. And so, um, for tonight, the biggest thing for me was you were able to see Woodson continue to make adjustments. He was able to push the right buttons from a personnel standpoint, wrote out the, the game with the guys who were playing well. And I think, um, based on you know, coach mentioned this, this about Mbako during the game, you know, was still, you know, connected still into the game. Wasn't sulking on the bench about that. Uh, I think that's a positive that Woodson's got, you know, he's kind of got that level of buy-in from him and also that he's getting out of Kalel where what he's, uh, getting out of him. So, um, you know, we talked a lot about the players, uh, over the course of the game, but probably maybe fitting to end it with, uh, you know, a lot of positive feelings about Mike Woodson's current pulse on this team and the players on it and his ability to push the right buttons to get the, get the win tonight. Well said, Andy, uh, by the way, Jay taking some strays here in the chat mob. Joe says over under January 1st for the over under show. I know. Gonna, gonna have to ask Jay. We'll see. I'm not, I'm not even sure you can consider that a stray. I think that's a direct, uh, a direct shot. By the way, coach, two things I wanted to mention as we're talking, you know, to go back to the Hoosier Hustle Award. Honorable mention to the crowd. I thought the crowd gave Indiana a huge boost when it was 48-42. Once Indiana gave them something to cheer about, it's like the crowd went double, you know, and really got into it. And it just felt like one of those moments with players feeding off crowd, feeding off players and, you know, that assembly hall magic. And also, man, huge hat tip to the new Back Home Network Discord game day chat which was such a fun experience being in there um, after what Twitter has become, which I had to turn my mentions off because it's so toxic and ugly there. And I thought our game day chat in that Discord was just great, insightful, a lot of fun. It's about as much fun as I've had interacting with other IU fans during a game in a long time. So hat tip to all of you who are in there. That was a lot of fun. I would I would very much second that. It was far. <laughs> I'd never even opened up Twitter during the game. It was, uh, And it was delightful. So Yes. It's over to you, Coach. Yeah, I, I, you know, you want to win games a little more comfortable, but Florida Gulf Coast was a good team, and they again they beat USC on the road uh, last year. So, I'm I'm really 
pleased that the defense is advanced as it is, even though you give up some threes and there's some backside concerns from, from Coach Woodson and it looks worse than what it is because of the three ball. I'm more concerned with the offense. I think it took a long time to get the offense going, and, and really it, it is dependent now on getting out and running and doing some things. I did think there were good adjustments. I think Indiana ran good stuff. But they still got to figure out how to win ball games when you don't have Trace Jackson Davis and Hood Shafino, who were almost automatic offensively, one on one play. They're going to have to figure out some different motions, some different actions to get people shots where they can contribute more so than the team last year. And I think that's that's going to be on Coach Woodson and staff to figure out to be more efficient with their calls offensively. If not, they can't have performances like this against too many teams offensively and win games. But the defense is well ahead of what I thought it would be when we talked last year, the concern. I thought the concern would be more defense because of the talent level uh, on offense would, would be better. But this team is a lot further ahead defensively than they are offensively. That's what I'm going to look for in the next couple of games prior to uh, heading into New York City. Yeah, very well said, Coach. I want to use my, my space here and last call uh, to talk about the man who was honored uh, tonight at Simon Scott Assembly Hall, which is Bill Garrett, uh, which is a story that you know, really felt like, I mean, obviously a lot of Indiana fans knew it, but it didn't feel like as many knew it as should, you know, eight to 10 years ago. And I count myself among those people and, you know, reading the book, getting open by Tom Graham uh, about Bill Garrett and learning his story, you know, was really one of the most eye-opening experiences and proud experiences that I've ever had uh, as an Indiana basketball fan. And I'm so glad that there is a statue at Simon Scott Assembly Hall now and that they're doing things like this, because I think, you know, we passed down all these stories of great teams and great players. And certainly Bill Garrett was on great teams and was a great player himself. But what he meant, not just to Indiana University, but to college basketball, makes it one of the most important stories that, you know, we as, as Indiana basketball fans and as parents can pass down to new fans or to young fans that can really make you proud about this program and what it has stood for. Uh, you know, Bill Garrett was the first African-American player in Indiana history. He was the first African-American player to start in Big Ten history, breaking what was an awful gentleman's agreement to not play black players. There were lots of good black players in the Midwest at the time. But the schools in this conference and, and so, you know, across the country would not play them, you know, but around the same time as Jackie Robinson broke into Major League Baseball, Bill Garrett had the courage uh, to be that first player and Herman Wells and Branch McCracken had the courage to allow him to be that player. He was the only black player in the Big Ten during his four years at IU. I mean, imagine that. Imagine the pressure. You know, imagine what he faced on the road during that time. And not only was he able to survive it just as a, as a man and a person, he thrived as a player, being named all Big Ten first team. His teammates voted him MVP. He was a consensus All-American. And, you know, his basketball career spans beyond just his time at Indiana. He was a Mr. Basketball at Shelbyville in 1947, uh, leading Shelbyville to a state title the same year that Jackie Robinson debuted in Major League Baseball. He left Indiana as the all-time leading scorer. You know, he's not just, a, you know, a, a token of, a, a, that, that represents something from a societal perspective. He was, you know, a man who faced a challenge head-on and was an incredible basketball player to boot. Uh, and once he was done playing at Indiana, he was the third black player ever drafted by the NBA when he was drafted by the Celtics. 
and he coached Christmas Addicts to the state title in 1959, the only Mr. Basketball to win a state title as a player and coach. It is unquestionably one of the most important, one of the most impressive, and one of the most prolific resumes of any person who has ever suited up to play sports at Indiana University. And so as we move forward as Indiana fans, it's a story that we should make sure as you know caretakers of this great program that everybody knows about. And so kudos to Indiana for making this Bill Garrett night. Uh, it's a story that we need to keep passing on um, because his legend uh, will live on forever uh, and not just in the background of Indiana basketball, but at the forefront uh, for what he meant uh, to this program uh, and to college basketball at large. All righty, that will do it for us on this uh, edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. Don't forget to go to substack.assemblycall.com to join our free email newsletter. Special thank you to Bob Thompson for the music you hear on the show. Special thank you to John Ringer of Rig Design for designing our logo. And thank you for listening. We'll be back Thursday night at 9 Eastern, as always, to talk IU hoops again with you. Until then. Take it from me, Rob Finnessy. Keep your eyes on the rim, your elbows in. Go Hoosiers. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Here I come, Mrs. Stansoni. <laughs> All right. By the way, Rob Finnessy was at the game tonight. I didn't realize that when I set up my, yep. uh, my sound clips for the game, but Rob was there. Kind of wanted him to suit up and play defense there at certain times in the second half. <laughs> Uh, but uh, nice to see Rob back. Uh, he'll always be a Hoosier. So yep. we love Rob Finnessy. All right. Well, I got I to gotta run. But uh, yes. good show, Thank you, Coach. Andy. Safe yep. travels. Stuff, Safe travels. All righty. Glad to have you on the scene. Yeah. And, uh, always glad to, to be here talking a couple on the show. All right. Peace, cool. everybody. See you, Andy. See you, everybody. See you in Substack. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.